0: Welcome to Raise the Standard. We're getting things done by lifting Christ above every area of life. My name is Andrew, and I'm an MDiv student at Westminster Theological Seminary.
1: My name is Bailey. I'm an MDiv student at Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary and a pastor out here in Milledgeville, Georgia. Nice.
0: So, compartmentalization.
1: Yeah. What, what does that mean? Before we get going today, this is something, before we just outright introduce our topic, this is an important word to understand. Uh, compartmentalization is usually looked at whether it's emotional or uh, physical with how you handle time getting a task list done Uh, but usually it's viewed uh, mentally as putting things into specific boxes that you will either get to and unpack eventually or not and in other terms you could also put things on a list as to their level of importance or ease of getting them done um, I know my type a wife, uh, is very good at this when it comes to compartmentalizing focus on exactly that things that can get done quickly or may require more time. So you really plan accordingly. The you know, point in this is that we compartmentalize all of us far more than we know. Now, if you're like me and you're not type a, this might have to be a learned skill or if it's not learned, it's just something you do, but do very poorly. <laughs> but compartmentalizing is something we all do with our thoughts with our time our actions we do it with everything
0: yeah, yeah I think that's good I we I think that we're taught in a lot of ways to come to compartmentalize uh, areas of knowledge in particular because you have science class that sort of handles science and the real stuff You got history class that handles like stuff from the past and stories got literature class which handles you know fiction and poetry and maybe essays but not really because essays are kind of anti-compartmental which is why i love essays by the way um so you have all these different subjects you got math which you know math is math
1: like they sound incredible right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then like on the heels of all those you have uh your electives yeah literally, literally classes you don't have to take you elect to take yeah <laughs> so even in that like
0: what's the what's the dumbest that you dumbest elective that you either had to take or, or chose to take or that you've heard of someone taking
1: well mine was mom me personally when I've had to take it was mom selected it was choir in middle school and I just choir. sat there and mouthed watermelon every single song <laughs> But I would get out of school to go on trips to mouth watermelon instead of sitting in other classes. But I mean, that's horrible. <laughs> in college for electives, or it's, uh, they have another name at our Georgia College Leading Liberal Arts Studies in Georgia. They <laughs> 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 have a, I totally forget now that I'm out of the game, but I mean, you have everything from um, not to knock on understanding and studying the assignments of genders, but I mean, they have uh, entire clubs devoted to, um, recovering Southern, um, charm or, Interesting. Uh, uh, they have one where, um, if you can imagine a word that rhymes with stitch and also, uh, refers to a female dog, they have that and stitch where they sit around and drink wine and talk women's studies. So, Yeah, as you as you get older you see these pointless electives start to become even more and more pointless yeah
0: so it's like all of these things are heading off in the, in different directions there's like sort of you and your brain at the center of the universe and then you head off into the area of mathematics you kind of do math for a little bit and then you go back to you and then you start doing literature you do that for a little bit and then you go back to you and what i mean by go back to you is like you stop doing that thing you stop thinking about it and then Start watching Netflix or get on social media. Like your life is integrated by something, and it's 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 usually by just you relying on yourself and then stopping. So I don't know. Uh, that's that's a real problem because these things they they're they're integrated and they're deeply related to each other as subjects. Um, there's probably I, I remember in seventh or eighth grade, I had a teacher. She was a she was a math teacher and she had a history of mathematics book. And I was like, that sounds so boring. I was just, I was in middle school. That sounds so boring. And she's like, it's cool. Cause it's, it talks about like how math like develops and changes. And I completely blew that off. Up I was kid. like, that's, that's the dumbest <laughs> thing. I know like whatever, but I, I, I have been tra- trained by public school to think that like right, right. The history of mathematics. No, you do history or mathematics, but not both. Right. And, uh, it's kind of funny. I picked up a, a history of mathematics book a couple years ago, and I was like, this is this is actually kind of cool. <laughs> but it's, before it's we, okay, yeah, we yeah, yeah. go
1: too long, like on this idea of compartmentalization, it's not exactly a big, bad, you know, wolf, right? Like we, this is something we have to do, you yeah. uh, know, purely because our minds are so finite and we can only, uh, truly, truly, I understand multitasking and, and everything that goes into that, which is just as necessary in some points in time, but we can only truly with our hands focus on, you know, one thing at a time. Mm. And so this compartmentalization, ha- it has to happen. Um, yeah. But the beautiful thing about that is, as everything is redeemed in Christ, there's a, there's a right way to compartmentalize. And so our topic today is exactly that. It is all-encompassing from being the wolf to the elephant to the lion um, in compartmentalizing Christ. Mm. And so, like we said at the outset, we compartmentalize everything, whether it's our time, our thoughts, our efforts. And so as Christians, it's just natural that Christ, although outside of everything to us, we try to put him into our boxes and I feel like we're going to get to unpack today a little bit about why we do that, why that's so troublesome and some of the effects that can have.
0: Yeah. Um, I think that is really helpful.
1: Another like to put it to give us a scriptural foundation. We hear this all the time, right? But with Matthew 22, 37, through 40 and he said to him Christ's words here you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind this is a great and first commandment and the second is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets and so as we get into this idea of compartmentalizing for somebody who is extremely type A or or maybe just super focused on Carrying a compartmentalized life, those that one word "all" yeah. uh, may rob them of whether a sense, whether a sense of control, as it does all of us. Um, whether it be a sense of freedom when we hear that all of us, and not just as simply as "hey, all of you as an individual do these things." I love how scripture breaks it down and and goes into even our categories. It's almost as if it knows we would try to, if left to ourselves, compartmentalize what we confess Christ with.
0: Yeah. I think it's interesting that those particular pass that particular passage that you quoted is Christ's summary of the law. And, you know, we think of the law, we, 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 talk about this sometimes. We think of the law as something that's like, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't do that. And really as Christians, like Jesus summarizing the law that way, we're, we're actually to strive after that because we're in him. Right. So Jesus opens up the door. He's, he is the door. We go through him. Mm-hmm. And now that you're in Christ, well, now what, what do you do for the rest of your life? And he just, he straight up tells you like, well, uh, the, the law says this is what an ethical life looks like. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's foundation is in, Uh, giving all of yourself to the Lord and holding no part back right? and then loving your neighbor as yourself accordingly. So yeah, there's, there's no, we've talked about this before as well. Because of that, there's nothing in your life as a Christian that doesn't belong to God.
1: Yeah. I mean, just generally really quick, like such an encouraging thing is how comforting is it to hear an affirmation of the law in this way? from the laws author and fulfiller because I think something you said is so valuable there a lot of times especially in the southeast when Christianity and Christian freedom has really been converted to a sense of legalism southern legalism yeah it's always thou shalt not thou shalt not which is just as beneficial
0: yeah
1: but I mean verse 40 there ties all together and says on these two commands hang all the law and the prophets yeah and so it's implicit, right? Thinking of categories that if we love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, all our all of our being, then we'll also be fulfilling the thou shalt not. It's implicit, it's not separate at all. But on the heels of that, something you just said too is so valuable is as Christians, there's nothing that we have, do say or think that doesn't that's not Christ. And to take that a step further, there's nothing that we do say, think post discuss that doesn't represent Christ. Yeah. Cause everything is his, that's true for the non-believer too. Mm-hmm. Uh, walking down the street, there's nothing that they touch, see, smell that's not God given and therefore isn't God's. But for us as Christians, I feel like we just lump ourselves into that category so often with taking on the old man and think that we can somehow separate. We talked about this on last week's show. And as you guys are probably picking up on already, these are, um, we've referenced sort of splinters off this category before off this idea. And so that's just why we felt it'd be so important. We circle back and devote a a good little bit of time to it. But the example I used last week is people who would say morally, I'm against abortion. But with my vote, I'm pro-choice, and here's why. And we, we sort of get to see a, a fruit of this separation-type thinking, this compartmentalized Christ, where, well, he's enough for me to profess him in my private quarters, just not in the town square.
0: What's good for the goose is not good for the gander. <laughs> Indeed,
1: there it is (laughs) yeah
0: but uh, yeah the way that I think about that sometimes and you know as as Christians we do have to be responsive to that sort of thinking I just think that's a cluttered exhausting really just self-centered way of looking at life so it's cluttered because like I said what's good for the goose is not good for the gander you look I'll do it here but I won't do it here which means there are actually more rules that you're having to make up like, well, you know, I'll, I'll I'll do it for me because that's like the right thing to do. But in public square, we need to consider like all these other rules, like all these other laws basically by which I should behave. And this shouldn't proceed from like the center of my being and my, my actual convictional beliefs. So. Yeah, absolutely. You you get a, you get a glut of laws.
1: And it's exhausting. Like you said, because before we know it, and I got to, speak on this a little bit last Sunday night when it comes to, um, carrying the yoke of Christ and how that's a paradox. It's, it's not, it says my burden is light and easy, but it's not a burden, right. To be in Christ, to abide in him. When we think about Christians who compartmentalize Christ in this way, before we know it, we are devoting so much more time, and energy to either adding to the law or contorting it to fit our idea of peaceable living than we would otherwise just submit and obey because we're loading down that cart with things that are not of christ quite literally adding to his law and eventually that demands another sacrifice and usually that ends up being us we hang ourselves on a cross and realize we're an insufficient savior and so to, to paint this idea and borrow from Spurgeon, if, if Christ is not all, then he's no Christ at all. Well, for mm-hmm. us, if Christ isn't our everything in that same way, if he's not the one in whom our hearts delight, then we have no delight. And, that, and that's true across the board. If, if Christ is just another thing we can compartmentalize, if he's another thing that we can put God in a box, then he's no Christ at all.
0: Yeah, and what and what is paganism besides trying to create a religion that hides from God? Huh. It, it's like you said, when we when that guilt is welling up within because we've created all these laws, there and, and and we have to respond to that in some way, you start doing some sort of sacrifice at some point. But, and you're you're typically not going to throw yourself on the altar. That's not the, that's not the pagan disposition. You might say Mm -hmm. you're going to throw some something or someone else on the altar. And I think that we're seeing a lot of that going on right now in the sort of cultural upheaval because everyone's trying to throw anything they can get their hands on, on the altar. Let's, let's throw, you know, white people on the altar because
1: Mm.
0: you know, I, I feel this guilt within myself for, uh, well, frankly, it's for, you know, the use of pornography, for the hatred mm. of my brother or it, it, pick any unrepentance. Sure. And, and instead of turning to Christ, let me turn to this pagan idea and throw, you know, white people on the altar. Mm. It's silly.
1: Right. And then in terms of personal devotion, the first things to go when we compartmentalize Christ in this way as if he's just another item on our list Mm. are the things that would set us free from that thinking, that living. It's our personal devotion. It's our time in prayer. It's our scripture reading because it's no longer viewed as necessary. It's just another thing to do, not the thing that makes us able to do everything else. And so you're already in bondage but I I want to push back on this to play devil's advocate a little bit. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. We have quite the, um, Pentecostal, uh, sort of Bethel represented group out here in central Georgia. And so there's this popular idea that any talk of God's law or the upholding of his law, well, Christ already did that. So don't put God in a box, bro. And have been in these conversations and it's, it's difficult to, um, discuss because there's supposed to be the common ground between believers of scripture, which is God defining himself. And, but when that sort of reference as a box, but I want to say this, the, again, as, as we said at the outset, the Christian response to compartmentalizing Christ is not to Uh, break every chain and just break out of even your own box and go willy-nilly and, you know, worship in your own way or or make enough free time to let the spirit move. Because I'll tell you this, if all you put is free time on your calendar, you're planting a whole lot of rich soil for sin.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: But in that, in that way, God did define himself. And so properly how we as Christians, big old air quotes here compartmentalize Christ Mm -hmm. is by doing this is placing him at the head of our lives submitting all things to him understanding that there is no southern baptist list that we all heard growing up of god first family second school third football fourth baby come on (laughs) that's right well it is just just god yeah but even in our even in our passage here we see an order to these things as we do in all things in God's created order first you shall love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and i love the verse breakdown here between 37 and 39 38 has its own time to shine this is verse 38 this is the great and first commandment because even when we try to work away from this uncompartmentalized Christ, this Christ that is just as he is, he's omnipresent, but in a functional way, he's just blurring the lines, you know, coloring outside of the lines, so to speak. And then 39 and the second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. I think you agree with this, Andrew, based on our many conversations about it. 39 is sort of placed at the head and 38, 37 are just sort of assumed Mm -hmm. that you know it's it's being done right when quite frankly it's the opposite if i'm looking at somebody that's loving the lord our god with their whole lives and understanding Christ's lordship then to me 39 is assumed now obviously we have many who may worship in word but not in deed and so we have to be aware of that as well but then if we break it down and this is sharp, even to myself, if if that theology is not materializing itself, if that love, knowledge of God is not materializing itself, as Packer would say, any good theology does moves from our minds to our fingertips and what we do. They're not truly loving God with their whole being, maybe just with their intellect, with their mind, right? Like we, we can see in so many seminary situations, of course not for yourself, knowing you, but as we're all prone to do is it's easy to love an idea of God, which is what we engage in when it's purely intellectual, just as much as it's easy to love um, a a sort of boss of God, which is Mm -hmm. what we do. If all we do is lay our hands to work, it's easy to love a friend of God, an image of a friend of God. If all we have is this uh, hyper emotional, ethereal connection. Uh, But when we lay all of our being to the grindstone of God, then and, and only then are we privy to love God. And that's going to move our feet and our hands to do the latter as well, but they can't be flipped.
0: Totally. I, I think the answer to that sort of disintegrated approach or uh, God as idea approach is really helpfully supplied by Herman Bovink. In his Reformed Dogmatics, I had to read it for class the other day, and in the spirit of this show, I'm going to try to put it to use. <laughs> there it is. We're going to we're going to try to put this put this to use. <laughs> coming out of the fingertips right here. So he says, even when Christians do theology, this is on page 75. If you have your copy of Herman Bavinck Reformed Dogmatics, like every true Christian. Does. Which
1: volume? Which volume?
0: volume? Volume two. This is volume <laughs> two, page 75. Even when quote, even when Christians do theology. From the very beginning, they stand with both feet on the foundation of special revelation. For our purposes, that's going to be scripture. They are Christ believers, not only in the doctrine of Christ, the idea of Christ, but equally in the, in the doctrine of God. Standing on this foundation, so that's the foundation. You've got Christ, you've got God, that's the foundation. Standing on that foundation... They look around themselves and armed with the spectacles of scripture, phrase stolen from Calvin. They see in all the world, a revelation of the same God they know and confess in Christ as their father in heaven. So you got the foundation of knowledge of God, and then you look at everything else and it's like everything else is, is revealing the glory of God. So he goes on to say a little bit further down. uh, So, It's true that scripture makes no attempt to prove the existence of God. It proceeds from it and then assumes that Christians know and acknowledge God. It doesn't regard humans as having fallen so deep that in order to believe they need prior proof of God's existence. uh, For they're God's image bearers, God's offspring, endowed with a mind to discern God's eternal power and deity in the work of creation. Scripture views the denial of God's existence as a sign of folly, a profound moral degradation. People guilty of this are exceptions. They're not the rule. They're exceptions to how humans should be. And so when you don't have God as the foundation of, like when you don't first know God, you're not gonna know yourself. And Calvin sort of makes a big deal about this in in his Institutes, chapter one. You're not gonna understand yourself. But Bobbing is actually going further than that and saying like, you're not gonna understand yourself and you're not going to understand the world around you. like. It's not just going to present itself to you in the proper integrated distinctly Christian way, because you know, if you're an unbeliever, you have, you have no reason to to integrate all of life because the more that you put things together and you know, you see the connections between things, it's like, wow, this really seems like someone put this together. Someone, right. Uh, you know, someone exists who made all this stuff happen.
1: And without that, gift of logic it's the only way to enjoy life to that point is to, to separate it yeah really and and look at it piece by piece because even for us having that gift of logic that renewed mind like i said we're still so finite so compartmentalization plays a necessary role but it, it's in this way let me break this down i said earlier as far as a proper way to compartmentalize christ here it is life-changing bubble-busting answer right here he can't be compartmentalized everything is his and that's not because he's too big for the box it's just because the box is his too. all of it yeah he's the box it's it's all of all of it is his and he's holding that in his hand so when we think of compartmentalization as Christians here's the standard by which we shape and order our lives because quite frankly that's what compartmentalization is it's to shape and order our lives and if we're not careful The way in which we do that is to free us up as much as possible, give us enough free time, or give us enough time with an individual, whether it be a spouse, a loved one, who can be idols as well. If you're not married yet, and you're making an idol out of a significant other, that doesn't stop when you put a ring on. If anything, opportunity just increases. That's just a quick aside for our young folks out there. But we have to understand that when we look at how we shape our lives, compartmentalize our lives, it's done in this way, which is going to allow me to do the two commandments that summarize the law. You know, I need a job, but that job's going to require me to work on Sundays. Find another job. Go Go work at a gas station, even if it doesn't mean you get to start your career as early on as you'd like, whether it be in whatever field, nothing is more important than fellowshipping with that covenant body and worshiping God as he's instructed, right? Well, I have to uh, live in this place, but there's no solid church there, right? My job requires something, I and mean, I'm only saying jobs because it's something that we can all relate to in one sense or another,
0: mm-hmm. whether
1: even if you're in school, you've graduated or anything like that, you can relate to this because we've talked about this too. There's in this fallen world, necessary things that aren't good and necessary that have to happen. So just having to earn a wage, having to do that to provide for our spouses, our selves and a point, but even that is God's provision. So we have to understand and remember that as everything is God's, every box is his. If we aren't careful to set those and stack them in such a way, that it brings us closer to Christ, then He is good and just to send them toppling down and everything spilling out, and that's when we feel like that gracious reminder that feels like chaos to us—that we have no control. There's no order, and it's because there's not when we try to manage our own being.
0: Yeah, funny enough, Till speaks directly to this, and I think it's great. He says there's no fact that man meets in any of his investigation where the face of God does not confront him. Well, what does that mean? Well, he goes on to say what that means, uh, a little further down, therefore obedience to God, to God's revelation, is the proper attitude for man, whether he's active in the laboratory or in the house of prayer. Active in the laboratory or the gas station or whatever, or the house of prayer. Uh, the, the relevance of God is is still there just because you're not at at church on sunday so yeah i think i i think the going off of that the law itself is not a burden it's a law of liberty and you're liberated from chaos Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) and that's based that's in my mind at least what compartmentalization without christ leads to it just leads to pure chaos you you, there's no way to make sense of life i heard one guy put it this way he's like worldview well we we tend to think of things and put them in boxes put them on a shelf and we sort of compartmentalize things what a worldview is is the shelf what is the thing that holds them all together and as christians we actually have a shelf that holds the things together (laughs) Hmm. uh we don't just throw them down the stairs see where they end up and see where they end up.
1: That's really good. I like that. Because <clears throat> on the other side of it, we are so, uh, as I said, finite. But in our finite minds, so quick to believe that we have any semblance of control in this life.
0: Yeah.
1: And if we if we seek to compartmentalize our lives and all these different boxes, rather than simply, I say simply because Christ's burden is light and his yoke is easy, submit ourselves to our Savior, then we're not compartmentalizing our lives. We are confined as slaves to the things in our lives.
0: Yeah.
1: Whether that's a relationship, a job, a sin that's been unconfessed, because rather than living in the freedom of our Lord Jesus Christ, who set us free from the bondage of sin and slavery to sin, he set us free. We no longer have to live. We don't play by the world's rules anymore, right? We don't have to bend the knee. In fact, we, we are called not to. It's because we recognize that we're children of God. And, And at the root of this, as everything usually leads back to not to oversimplify the complexities, complexities of this that I'm sure we'll get back into next week as we tackle this in part two. This really becomes an identity issue and forgetting that as Christians, as we said at the outset, we don't just live in God's world. We don't just try to play by God's rules. We are representatives of Christ. And so everything we do in that point isn't a point of pressure. To think well i better I better do this in a way that's perfect because Christ is perfect glorifying Christ may usually come in confessing our weaknesses quite often it does in the best way so it's understanding exactly that that as we're free as sons and daughters to not live this chaotic a stretched exhausting life of compartmentalization we have yeah. a better opportunity just to submit Christ. That's our way to freedom. That's our way to truly enjoy this life. And as we've talked about before, and abiding in the one who fulfilled the law, it's the only way to live peaceably.
0: Yeah. So in terms of how, in, in terms of going forth and, you know, conquering, entering the land of Canaan, slaying the giants, taking the cities, in terms of compartmentalization,
1: what do we do? How do you do that? How do you compartmentalize I think you got to work backwards. And, and as I've said, you have to look at all these different boxes you have in your life because they're, they are there. Uh, again, we're not simply saying compartmentalization is a myth. It's a conspiracy. We understand that. Trust us. We are young. We are fighting in the ministry. We have wives we love very much and provide for, and, and just, we have all these things, right? So we're not saying, Hey, there's no boxes there, you know, just look to Christ. Right. That would be so flippant. That would be foolish to a point. Like I said earlier, we have to look at all those boxes that are in our lives, whether it be uh, different responsibilities of those we disciple, the jobs we work, the time we have to carve out of the busyness to devote to our brides. And instead of just stacking them in a way that leads to better efficiency or stacking them in a way that will make us happy or the ones we serve happy, we have to stack them in a way, order them in a way that we can step up on each of them and be closer to Christ. Not in a Hollywood, reach in the sky type of way, just in a way that will actually just lead us deeper into the dirt of who God is and understand that practically what that looks like is when we work backwards like that, when we see that we're sons or daughters of God and we we see that Christ isn't something to be compartmentalized, but the cornerstone, the shelf that we base everything in our lives on. We will fuel ourselves properly for such a fight, i.e., prayer won't just become an option, it'll be a necessity. Reading scripture to understand how to best do this won't just become a thing we can do, but a thing we have to do. And yeah. quite frankly, practically, that's more than enough. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm I'm thinking about this, and my mind goes to Genesis one, where God creates the world, and then He starts making all these divisions. Mm. Uh, you know, He starts to organize the world, and when God does that, it's not chaos. And and when He made the world, it wasn't chaotic either. I would say I'd mm. say things got a whole lot rowdier when the animals showed up. <laughs> right on uh, <laughs> the fifth day, I think, mm. but that, the, the trajectory of creation was toward that last day of Sabbath rest, which God established. And that's true. Not only of the creation week, but also of the creation proper. Like we're heading toward that Sabbath rest, uh, where God's work of redemption will be complete and all things will be brought to light. The wheat will be separated from the tares, stuff like that. Mm. And so, you know, how how does that how does that touch down on me practically? It's like well, God bookended his creative act with speaking, and when God was speaking, who was he speaking to well himself he was speaking the the the, the world into creation right. by the Word, namely Christ, and then the presence being there receiving it it's, it's, it's the spirit and so we see that for all things, the beginning was, was God speaking. And I think we, as his little creatures, his little images are supposed to start everything with prayer. (laughs) That's how we integrate things. Like God started things by talking to God. We start things by talking to God, right? That's how you put things together. You bookend it. You pray at the beginning, Lord, thank you for this thing that's about to happen. Thanks for putting it in my hands. You finish it off. All right, boom. I'm going to bookend this thing. And in that way, like prayer and meditation is like the glue that holds the different sections of your life together, rather than immediately like opening up your phone and starting uh, you know, to scroll or something like that. Right. That's one thing. And you mentioned earlier also just expanding that pattern out besides like event to event. Uh-huh. Uh, you have like week weekly rhythm. So you, you do have to be in church on the Lord's day in order to have an integrated life. I, I think, I think to do otherwise is foolish and probably most of the time sinful with few exceptions, right? There, there are exceptions to be sure. Um, like if you're, you know, a soldier and fighting for your country in a foreign land, you're probably not going to have many church options on Sunday, but, uh, you know, if you're working, if right. you're working a job, you can, you can work toward not working on Sundays. Right. And that's just gonna, like I said, it's going to clutter up your life.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and to that point, I feel like what you just outlined is so important because like I said earlier, understanding that all that we do as image bearers of God, as well as name representatives, co-heirs in Christ, as represents Christ, it should not lead to this pressure because if it does, we're not truly abiding. We're just looking to an example and setting standard and then setting out on our own strength to reach it. But what you, what you just outlined, an understanding that Christ and, and God has book ended his mandate, his creation with his glory and then his glory. And so that gives us this hope and, and an understanding that because we're co-heirs with Christ, everything we do has an eternal purpose and it's both for the glory of God and our good. So I think that's so important and perhaps a good place to land it. There's a flag in that. There it is. And I mean, that's that soil that runs so deep in that flag would be engulfed if you kept pushing. And that's such a blessing, hmm. um, but please do understand we will definitely be revisiting this topic for next week's discussion Uh, i feel like this is something worth talking about hence why we're talking about it i just pray that it gets your mind maybe thinking and would encourage you to try to sit down with somebody and chop this up Uh, let us know what you think and as always let andrew and i send you out with this the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you the lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace Thanks for listening, guys. Let's get to work.